0: My name is Rob Nixon, and this is the Next Swell podcast on the American Shoreline Podcast Network. And after a long hiatus, we're back. And I would love—I love to thank the uh, people there at ASPN, Tyler and um, Peter, for allowing me to come back and start this all over again. Um, so we'll be talking again about one of the best things in the uh, United States, our beaches, uh, and the world as well. Um, and today. I've invited a couple friends to uh, discuss what uh, effects may or may not be happening uh, to our beaches as a result of our current uh, situation of uh, self-isolation. Um, as everyone knows, uh, we're in the middle of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, or the some you know I might call it the pandemic, or the the, uh, the COVID-19 winter, um, and. Uh, it's, uh, it's affected a lot of people's lives as far as like what they like to do recreationally um, outdoors, and this includes the beaches, going to the beach, laying out, uh, shelling, uh, fishing, surfing, swimming, um, all that stuff. And a lot of people are uh, they're cut off from that that resource now. And so today we I wanted to invite a couple of friends of mine and um, actual experts on beach management and. Um, and uh, planning. I would like to introduce them right now. Um, first, we have up uh, Ruben Trevino, um, who is currently a project manager with the US Army Corps of Engineers in Galveston, and Brandon Hill, who is a coastal and environmental planner with AECOM Engineering and Consulting. Uh, both have also had the privilege of serving as coastal directors for the city of South Padre Island in Deep South Texas. And um, Without any further ado, I'd like to welcome uh, Ruben and uh, Brandon to the show. How you all doing today?
1: Thanks, Rob. Doing good. Glad to be here.
0: Doing well, man. Awesome. So, uh, Ruben, how are you? Uh, how you been handling? Um, you, you're in the middle. Well, you're in the middle of a uh, job transition uh, when this all started coming about. Uh, how's it been going for you?
2: Uh, it's going well. Um, you know, luckily, I was able to start my job as scheduled. Um, and I've joined the Corps of Engineers this past Monday, so on the job five days, and just slowly transitioning and doing my training.
0: Awesome, and Brandon, how's it going up there with AACOM and, and y'all's, y'all's projects and, and stuff? You all been affected at all by this?
1: Um, no, we're, we're doing good. Um, my, uh, my team is working entirely from home at this point. Uh, we're all able to uh, keep up uh, you know, we're doing a lot of our, doing our, lot of our work online and, and through uh, video messaging, just like we're doing here. Um, no, no real hiccups in in the workflow. My uh, gardens and flower beds have never looked better here at home though, that's for sure.
0: That is awesome. Um, any, uh, any home projects going on with you, Ruben, while you're
2: uh, chilling out? Yeah, um, in February, I had a backyard patio built with some shaded area and with the idea of doing an outdoor kitchen. Some time in the summer. Well, all this time off has sped those plans up. So now I've got my outdoor kitchen set up um, and ready for the summer season.
0: Wow,
2: awesome!
0: Uh, much more further along than I am with my projects. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'd like to thank you guys very much for taking time out of y'all's busy Sunday um, with y'all's families to to have this uh, roundtable discussion on you know what basically y'all's observations have been and experience has been leading up to the situation we're in right now and you know what you think might be happening or could could uh, be in, in store for our beaches in the future as a result of this. Um, so as we stated, uh, Brandon and Ruben both have experience in managing and maintaining beaches. Um, Brandon with the city of South Padre Island and Ruben with uh, South Padre Island and also Galveston. Um, and i was curious um have, have have y'all start have y'all seen in the past or have y'all seen any differences now in our current situation um as opposed to uh, a naturally typical seasonal cycle for 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 a tourist-based beach um you know such as you know slower in the winter busier in the summer and spring um different management challenges uh or our lack of having to do as much maintenance during certain periods of time. Um, so that's where I want to start with. Let's start with the baseline in there. Um, start with uh, Brandon, how, let's go with you first.
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think you that's a great question, Rob. The, you're right that normally a, a beach is very much a, a seasonal, Um, shifting you know it's it's in flux you do see kind of the the ebb and flow of people coming to the beach from uh, the local region during certain parts of the year the slower parts of the year and then the the visitation to that beach expanding you know nationally or even globally um, depending on on what time of the year it is and what events are going on and, and so, what we're experiencing right now, I think, be you know, on, on all of the beaches that have been impacted by the uh, the COVID nineteen crisis, is a very extreme version of that. Rather than, you know, kind of the the natural back and forth that you would normally see with the seasonality of a beach, a lot of places right now have uh, kind of gone cold turkey when it comes to visitation. Um, they they went from having. A normal uh, spring break, you know, expectations of, of the amount of people that would be uh, arriving to their town to virtually the the whole world is shut down at this point, and, and uh, we're all trying to do our part and and social distance. So I think what we're seeing right now is very much so a a, a a more extreme version of that that fluctuation that we would that we would normally see in a in a beach uh, environment
0: uh Ruben, um you're the uh the most recent uh manager of a beach um have you seen uh uh any difference between what you typically would see on a typical season compared to what was the run up to this um
2: as you were uh transitioning over you know i definitely I mean right now March is when the season starts off that's when people start coming out to the beach in in large masses and that's also spring that's when everything's growing Uh, vegetation um, the birds start their their breeding season you know so there's a lot of overlap between um, when people use the beach and and the flora and fauna are growing out there and and, uh, taking part of that spring and summer growth You know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, um, I think we're definitely going to see more vegetation sprout up along pedestrian paths, vehicular paths, you know, but I, you know, it's only going to last so long. You know, I think we'll see some uh, preliminary stuff. There might be, you know, a good thing would be is maybe if the local governments could start to kind of protect those areas because that's usually those chance, plants don't have a chance to come in even if they're in the right situation to come in at the right elevation, the right condition. You know, so I think if you're able to, um, kind of recognize those areas, preserve them a bit, that could be some, some help for long-term, uh, good things to come out of this.
0: Awesome. We're actually going to touch on that in a few minutes here. Um, uh, that's great. Um, do you typically see, uh, any differences, uh, between the, I guess, the personality of the the visitors to the beach, uh, from from year to from from season to season, like it's a different type of person you would see during the fall and, and winter time, as op- as opposed to the spring and and uh, and summertime, and their attitude towards the beach, like how they view it. Um, and uh, this one, we'll start with Ruben on this one first. You
2: know, I think during. Um what you would call the off season, the, the cooler months along the Texas coast. Uh, you know, you have a lot more of the local region coming down to your beaches and enjoying them. I think they, because they, they're closer, they probably bring in less things. They're also a little more aware about what they leave behind. Uh, I think as you get people during the peak times, say July or August, when people are driving from outside the state and, you know, uh, they don't. You know, it's just—it's just there's that that recognition of uh, preserving of what they have or, or what they're experiencing. So I think definitely with the larger crowds, you get a larger population. You know, just a higher percentage of less responsible folks. So you see more trash on the beaches. But yeah, I think the um, the overall uh, impacts of, of what we're dealing with is is definitely can be seen that we're having less trash on our beaches right now. Um, sorry if I didn't answer that correctly.
0: Uh, there's no correct answers, man.
2: We're just having a <laughs> discussion. Uh, take
0: uh, take your answer over my answer any day. Um, okay, uh, Brandon, your thoughts on on that?
1: Your yes. experience. So, um, here's the way that I've always looked at a beach, and I, I think it's something that unless you're unless you're either taking care of a beach or going out onto a beach on an almost daily basis for a long period of time, you really miss this. If if you're only going out into the beach once in a while, maybe seasonally or every couple of months, you go out there and you look at the beach and it lo- it looks as stable as a mountain range. I mean, it's just unchanging. It's just, it's a thing that's there. It's a landscape that exists. And you get a different perspective of it when you are, visiting there frequently or even living there or, or, or going there to take care of it um, consistently over a long period of time, you see that it is actually a dynamic uh, system. You see that while uh, mountain ranges, they change on, you know, what's called a geologic time scale, meaning that in your and i's lifetime, most mountain ranges aren't going to look any different. But the beach, when you step out off of your balcony or off of an access and step foot onto the beach, that sand that you're placing your foot on could be two feet higher than it was the last time that you visited there or a foot lower. And most people wouldn't pick up on that because they're not there all the time. They're not familiar with the system. And I think that brings me to the, the to answer the question that you asked regarding people's, um, people's opinion and and view of the beach, I think the more that you take ownership of a natural resource, the more that you care about that natural resource. And by taking ownership, I don't mean literally buying a beach house, but the more you see it as your beach, the more that you care about your beach. And uh, I think that's probably the biggest difference between the, the seasonal uh, folks that you see coming on and off the beach, the ones who are there who see it as a living, breathing moving system they 're the ones who oftentimes also have a deep respect for their beach and they want it to be well taken care of, whereas folks who maybe might not get out there that often, they might really enjoy the beach, they might uh, really love how beautiful it is, and they might appreciate it but Many times, and I'm speaking generally here, many times if you don't have that ownership of a natural resource, you're not as careful with that natural resource. So you do see an uptick in, in litter as you see more people who don't value or who don't take ownership of that resource come to visit.
2: Uh, I would just chime in exactly what Brian was saying. They just don't recognize how fragile it really is. So great,
0: great, uh, great answers. Um, So uh, to go along with with what you're saying, Brandon and Ruben, I mean, basically the more someone invests in the resource themselves, the more time they spend on it, the more time they're out there, you know, what, picking up trash or, you know, looking after the the processes and noticing what's happening as a result of different events on that beach. They're the ones that are typically more, more uh, receptive to taking care of that that uh or preserving that resource first off and also probably the first and loudest uh when the blowback happens and something ha- changes on that beach uh which we're gonna get into here in a minute. Um awesome thank you guys that's that's great background right there. Um as we get into the lead up to uh to our, our, our current uh you know self-isolation um and restricting restricted access to those beaches at this point. So basically, you know, starting in late February, um, you know, it was starting to, you could see the, uh, it was starting to warm up, you know, it was, uh, things were starting to happen that were completely shocking when I first heard of them. I mean, you know, the canceled South by Southwest, uh, canceled canceling major conferences, including the, the very large uh, oil conference in Louisiana, um, sporting events were starting to shut down entire seasons were, were you know, were postponed concerts. Um, that was all very obvious and very big events that were happening. But uh, as far as like our coastline goes and our seasonality, you know, we're, we're, we're heading into spring at this point. We're looking at spring break, uh, Easter time, um, Galveston, you know, Mardi Gras, um, was there discussion going on at this point or was there any kind of, uh, anticipation that where we're at right now was where we're going back in February. Um, or was it just pretty much business as usual? We're going to do just the bare minimum and hopefully get by with it. Oh, sorry. Uh, We'll start with uh, Brandon.
1: Well, you know, in, in my current line of work, um, I don't have my finger on the pulse of, of uh, a community as much as, as I have in the past. Um, But I know that within Aecom, you know, it was something that we were, we were watching, especially with several of uh, several of our clients who, who, um, you know, we, I, I do a lot of uh, work with um, big ports here in Texas who are doing expansions to channels and things like that. And, and uh, when you start talking about something that could change the flow of, of shipping, the availability of uh, certain products, um, that's something that, that a lot of people from an economic standpoint certainly are, are paying a lot of attention to. As a, you know, a beach bum at heart, Uh, It was something that, uh, as I was hearing the discussions of, um, you know, what was going on in China, uh, what Europe had begun seeing, it was something that um, was concerning to us personally, just because uh, my wife and I are both scientists. We tend to uh, watch that sort of thing closely, and and we have uh, both family that is... um, Immunocompromised and family that is uh in the medical field, so it's something that that you know we were paying close attention to. But I don't think on a you know in a general sense in in the work environment, I don't think that I could have told you back in January or February that that it would be quite this big of an impact. Um, you know, I don't think I imagined at the time that uh, you know this little back bedroom here would become my office. Um, but uh, but here we are, and we're 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 trying to make the best of it.
0: Thanks, Brandon.
2: Ruben, your thoughts on this? Your uh, your experience? You know, I was my motto. I live by the motto <laughs> "Be prepared." Uh because that's the Eagle Scout ending. So I was kind of watching this in February on the news. Uh, so you know, I'm like I said, I wanted to be prepared. So being informed was part of that. So really. But there was no indications. Really, early March, late February, early March, they were talking about mass gatherings. We weren't too concerned here in Galveston, I think, because we don't really have those type of events where you have eight to 10,000 people going to one location for one purpose. Right. You know, we've got a lot of people come to the beaches, but we got 30 miles of beach, and they spread out. We really weren't too concerned with that. The parks opened up March 7th we were aware of what was going on watching it. I think by that next Monday uh, we were already talking about what kind of precautionary steps we need to start putting in place as far as our employees, you know, again, just having safeguards to make our guests feel as comfortable as possible. Uh, So we started stepping up maintenance on the restrooms and gloves and things like this. The whole time we're working with the CBD, which is the other part of the park board. organization which was doing a phenomenal job as well but again you know we've got from employees hundreds of employees that work in the parks and come on board to our vendors who make a living march through uh, the fall on those beaches you know we were we recognized that the potential if the beaches were to close was going to have a huge impact on a lot of people really early on so we tried to do what we could early on to, to have the precautionary uh, mechanisms in place you know again we also understood early in the process we are really custodians of these assets it's it's going to be a city hall decision so i know kelly uh was definitely communicating with the city manager's office constantly uh by the by march 10th that week uh, on what was coming down and what they were hearing um so really i i don't think anybody late february even the first week in march could have told you you know, what exactly was coming. But I think by that second week in March, we, the reality started setting in. I think the following couple of weeks, it just it went from, you know, we can you know try to salvage keeping the beaches open but just closing down restrooms to we need to shut the whole thing down because we can't have people coming into the community that really are coming from outside.
0: Right. And
2: that's really what drove the decision.
0: Okay, so yeah, I mean, so my personal experience was, you know, uh, you know, above the shock of seeing such major mass gathering things start shutting down, was, uh, you know, we were we were pretty much, you know, open for business. Thinking, I mean, we definitely knew it was going to be, if we were able to make it through March, it was going to be a very negatively impacted March as far as the business went, because um, we already heard about you know hotel cancellations and stuff like that. At the same time, you know, we're, we're sitting at work, and I'm having discussions with people out of the area, and and um, you know, with us, it came down to considering our employees as well. Um, you know, we were we're you know we're a park that has people come in, and all these people, at, especially during March, ninety percent of them are from different areas of the country, all coming in from areas that you know we knew had cases. And it was, you know, it was lighthearted at first, joking about it. And then, you know, it started to get a little, you know, a little scary. Um, but it was never like, I don't know, I guess it never entered my mind about actually closing down a beach. I mean, we, we were, you know, there was strange things happening on the island, like, you know, the, the person or the, the business that, that draws in our biggest crowd uh, for spring break concerts
1: was on one hand
0: open, having the concerts every day, encouraging people to come on out, and then on the other hand, he's sending letters to city council asking to shut down everything. And it was that was this type of the, the type of environment we were in, like, this is just ridiculous. You know what's going to happen. And then, of course, they made the decision, you know, started closing businesses down and stuff like that. Um, but it never really became a big deal about the beach until it happened. And then I remembered the, the blowback that happened. We'll get into that a little bit, but it seems generally that, you know, like we said earlier that the, the people that are generally the most uh uh visible at the beach, the people that are there all the time that, that that are invested in it, also have some, you know, let's just say some some uh interesting ideas on what exactly the beach is good for, and can do for you. Um and I know y'all both of y'all have biology majors and I've I've listened to a lot of stuff from from different um, people try to figure this out, but you think the initial reaction, which we'll get into, um, see which all we all actually saw when it happened. But the surprise is that, you know, that most people, especially big major beach bombs, assume and y'all, y'all the biologists here that, that the sun, sand and surf cure everything and they, they'll kill anything. Um, of course we've seen that not be the case with stuff like uh, red tide and stuff, but, um, and raw sewage, and, and that, stuff like that but do y'all think that that maybe that mindset kind of played into the reaction that that came on later from people um will start with you on that one
2: so you're talking about just the physical aspects of the beach environment and... no, no like you know the
0: the 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 wives tales uh you know the 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 oh. the idea that you know all you got to do if you're feeling bad or you're sick is go out to the sun sand and beach and uh, it'll cure you and the breeze will take away the everything else. I mean, that's initially what was coming out of right. was Like, and, and I think people, you know, with or without reason, they, they actually believe that. Um, so I just yeah. want to run that by, you. I admit, like I said, I know y'all have biological backgrounds. I don't know, you know, I think y'all know as much, um, as anybody's commenting on this. I just want to see what your opinion was on it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I gotta say, I, the thing is, I agree with some of that because really, when I think of the beach, it's, it's a wide open space. It's not confined, you know. It's there's a breeze. You're, there's not a whole lot of hard surfaces because the sand shifting. You know, it. I think so. I think that for me played into my thought process, and that yeah, the beaches should stay open, um, and I, I I feel like those are are, are right assumptions. It's, there's the other reasons that came along with that, with, with the masses also thinking that. Um, you know, I think vitamin D is always a good thing, and especially when you're pent up, people want to get out and enjoy the environment. Um, you know, we're lucky enough to have the beach. You know, I, I kind of saw it the same as the folks who are live in Virginia in the mountains still have their open trails to go run through. So I kind of likened it to that in, in my mind. You know, this is our open space that we get to take advantage of. Um, that's how
0: I felt about it. I, I agree with you. Uh, that's my initial my initial reaction as well. Um, uh, Brandon, your your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, that's crazy. Beachgoers and our ideas.
1: <laughs> hey, I, I count myself as as one of you. But uh, you know, I, I think it's human nature to be optimistic, um, and I think it you know the the type of person who finds solace in writing on a small board over a wall of water um and, and the type of person that that has the privilege to um live nearby or even on um you know this this gorgeous ribbon of of land where where land meets water i think those are the sorts of, of folks who tend to be the most adventurous and the most optimistic um, and I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with, with that, um, that optimism and that desire to maintain normalcy. Um, I think what we saw happen here in, in the United States, and, and I can't speak to other countries, but I know that what we saw here in the United States was this desire to believe that everything was going to stay good or it was going to become good. And, and I think that's just something ingrained in us, you know, um, as, as Americans and as, as humans. Uh, and so I, I, I'm glad that we, um, you know, are striving every single day to try and maintain normalcy and, and, and try to keep the joy in life. You know, me and the girls, we went, uh, we went on a hike yesterday through the Houston Arboretum. Uh, and we had to get off the trail several times to make sure that we were standing further away from some passing families who were walking by um, because we you know we take it very seriously but we're still out trying to get that vitamin d trying to uh, uh, keep you know keep ourselves uh, connected with nature because that's certainly a way that my family um, refuels you know we feel like if we don't get our time outside, if we don't get uh, our time in nature then then something's been missing um, and I, and i and I think that uh, for people whose uh, you know life uh, a large portion of it centers around the coast, uh, I think it was a it was a scary uh, prospect to you know in in late February early March when people were starting to talk about maybe we do need to shut down access to things maybe we need to not be gathering you know when the the first time that i heard uh you know that you couldn't gather in in groups of 10 or more you know that was you know that's that's a it's a scary prospect but um you know i think the the takeaway that i'm i'm trying you know that i'm choosing to focus on is the fact that while we are all being impacted by the the fallout of covid19 um, there is a certain uh, resiliency that is admirable amongst the folks who, you know, continue to make sure that they go out and go under the parks, make sure that they uh, safely access, you know, the, the beaches that they're able to make sure that uh, we don't lose those things that, uh, that keep our families feeling normal. You know, I think, I think that's really the, the part of it that I'm choosing to focus on.
0: Thank you, Brandon. Excellent. Um, I guess this would pertain more to Ruben since he probably dealt or at least heard about initial reactions when uh, when the closures happened. Um, you know, uh I think Galveston, no, actually, it may have been Cameron County, but Cameron County and Galveston both eventually shut down everything. I think Galveston was a little more it uh scaled as it went. I think it started with uh you know, the group restrictions on the beach, and then they, then y'all closed the parking along the seawall, and then finally just closed on the beaches, if I'm correct on that, um, that timeline. But, uh, you know, I think we've established that people that like the beach, like recreating there, like investing in it, um, can be very opinionated. Um, What was the initial reaction um, to the county and, and city? Um, you know, here it was, it was kind of mixed. It was very vocal and loud on the people pissed off. Um, and that was the initial spike that I saw. And then it started to mellow off and, uh, people became a little more reasonable about it. But, uh, Ruben, did, y- uh, did y'all see any blowback or was it a pretty much even reaction as far as like a balance between pissed and, and just accepting it?
2: You know, it was kind of an all over the place reaction, I think. You know, some people reacted, they were supportive of it, who I thought wouldn't be. There are people who reacted to it uh, that weren't supportive of it, who, who would be, who I thought, you know, would be the opposite view of it. You know, but really, it, just to clarify, the city early on closed what we were basically, what they called the amenities. And this was probably the, the end of the second week of March. Uh, we were trying to see what the crowds looked like and what we could handle. Um, so the way, second, yeah, the space at the end of the second Texas week, what we what were seeing here, um, the city basically said, okay, we're shutting down the amenities. Basically eliminate all the common space that people are going to come up to. Uh, don't allow the vendors to do umbrellas or chairs, you know, just eliminate all that common area, which I was very supportive of. And I thought should have been the way to go um so we, they they went with that they they tried to do it what happened was is the following weekend um that sunday the seawall was just packed you know they had already a lot of places already put these shelter in places orders or you know recommended people stay home that sunday the sun came out you know early march we had that cloudy weather like we usually do on the texas coast so you know it wasn't until that Following weekend, the amenities were closed, but the sun came out and the beaches were just packed. Parking lots were packed. The island was packed. You drove down the seawall; it looked like a March weekend, um, and it was just kind of counter to what, what they were trying to achieve. Um, so that led to 2:45 on a Sunday, while me and Aaron are driving down the seawall to kind of do our daily drive and get some fresh air. Uh, by the time we get home at 3:30, they've announced the beaches are closed we literally drove out of East Beach and the police was putting the block block uh, blockade up wow. to keep people out um, so yeah little did we know that was gonna be our last drive on the beach uh, that Sunday but yeah it, it came quickly I think it was I feel the right response um, but I you know again just to summarize that the thing was all over the place I, I, I even yesterday I a good friend of mine Hal Needham, a really smart guy uh, was talking about how they needed to open the beaches up on Facebook, and I had a really great conversation um, with back and forth. The city manager chimed in, and and it was a good conversation. It was a good debate, and and he came up with it with the understanding of why they had to do it. Um, you know, I think just don't people people don't have that entire picture that our city leaders have and are responsible for having.
0: I have no. Uh... No envy for our city or state or federal leaders at this point right now, but uh, yeah. a tough job for sure mm-hmm. um, Brandon, your, your thoughts on this or did you see anything or
1: you know um as as I mentioned i you know i'm not uh not as plugged in at the municipal level as I used to be, but um i have uh, uh I have kept up with it. Um, I've still got several friends who are city managers, several friends, uh, like Ruben who, you know, who, uh, are, are neck deep in, uh, in, in the management of the the municipal side. And, um, I've always been a believer that the government that governs the people best is the government closest to the people. Um, and so, you know, I know that there was and continues to be a lot of, uh, of back and forth between both the governed and the governments, the different levels. Um, but you know, I, I, I personally, what I saw, uh, I've seen some people who are, um, you know, ecstatic that, the local governments or that the the state governments have um have stepped up and have taken lead and taken the steps that they have and and I know others who you know are are furious about it and think that it's an absolute overstep and um uh personally I'm just grateful to the leadership that has been shown uh, on all the levels because uh, as you said I I envy I envy no one in the in that position right now because it is a it's a very tough time to be in charge of trying to uh, lead a municipality, lead a region. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, organizations um, at, the, at the state and the federal levels have uh, continued to put their resources towards um, providing the data and the best research and the information that's needed to be able to make the, um, the calls at the local level. Um, you know, Galveston does a great job of putting their, uh, their local meetings on Facebook live and, uh, because I'm in the region here in Houston, I get little notifications when, uh, when Galveston's, uh, public meetings have started. And once in a while I'll, uh, sign in just because, um, I think, uh, Mayor Yarborough is an absolute hoot to, to watch, um. <laughs> And uh and you know they they've all ever you know, I, I've yet to see a uh a public entity that that hasn't um done an admirable job of of trying to put the facts out there, uh help people understand why they're making the decisions that they are and uh and, and you know, be a guiding light during this crazy time.
0: Excellent answers. Uh yeah, I mean as far as, you know, I guess my personal journey through it, experience, I guess, was um, uh, I've, I've been for years a very vocal uh, advocate for you know open beaches for all, and no matter what you know we're, you, you you've got to be able to go to the beach you know that is your that is your your right as a human being um, um, and going from that. To seeing what was happening and understanding what was going on, and knowing how tough the decisions were behind the scenes with a lot of these, these city and county leaders and state leaders, um, and then watching you know the organization I do a lot of volunteer work for, the Surfrider Foundation, go from beach access, beach access, beach access, slow down. All right, we're, this is this is an exception to the rule type of thing. Um, that was very interesting. Uh, I spent a lot of time, uh, much to the, the chagrin of some people. Correcting a lot of people on what their interpretation of our state laws were as far as the beaches were going. Uh, I'm a lawyer. I know this. I know that. I was like, no, you're wrong. It says it right here. They have the absolute power to do this in these situations, and I think they're right in doing it. Um, Changing those people's minds is almost impossible. But there were people, I think uh, Ruben touched on, um, one of his examples that started out in one area, and as they started figuring out more information and learning more and got more facts instead of just conjecture, uh, they came back to the middle and, and were, you know, we're fine with it. Uh, I do think that the longer this goes on, um, like you're already seeing in some states, the more aggravated people are going to get, um, at, you know, it's what happens when you're locked up in your house for for most of the time in your day. Um, and especially for people, I, I feel sorry for people in New York that are locked up in buildings and do not go outside. So that, that, I can't even understand that, but um, thank you uh, for that one, guys. Um, you know, We also, when we're down here, it was, so we have this similar setup to a lot of places along the Texas coast where you have the county and then you have city. And in some cases you have county and city having, you know, two different or slightly different plans. They don't quite communicate with each other very well. Um, That's been the case down here in the past. It's gotten better, I think, over time. But in this situation, that's exactly what happened. We had the county do one thing, uh, you know, shut down, like, like similar to Galveston, shut down all the amenities. Shut down the parks, you know. Basically, take away everything that encouraged people to come to town to go to the beach, but kind of leave the beach open without saying the beach is open. And then you have the city, who didn't have that language in their plan, um, kind of just say, you know, just follow the follow the social distancing. Um, as long as you're exercising, you're fine. And like I said, you know, there's no there's no media there's no demarcation of those beaches um, initially. You know. It, came to find out that yeah you could go to the county beaches you just had to walk in from other areas you couldn't use the entrances. um but then that was another communication thing you know between the law enforcement that went over it uh bought a, a lot of confusion there and it wasn't helped out by a few people that were just basically going out there to try to get in trouble every day and cause some kind of havoc and say, you know my constitutional rights are being taken away um so as a result of kind of, uh, you know, leaving it up to the locals, is, it seemed to be the, the mantra for Texas especially, um, yet to really see the General Land Office make a statement. Um, but they're not the only ones. Uh, Parks and Wildlife did the same thing, basically with fishing. You know, you just followed the locals' rules. But then you, as a result, you kind of had a – like a, this example of – a mishmash of differences. Like if you go, if you're here down here, it's one thing. If you're up in Galveston, it's one thing. If you're Corpus, Puerto Ranzas, you know, everyone's kind of doing their own thing. It was basically the same, but there were differences that confused people. Um, and I know y'all have done a lot of work um, in your careers with uh, different state, and federal agencies, and um, it, would y'all have preferred to have a blanket policy? That was set out guidelines anyway from the state level or the federal level? Or do you think, for the most part, this went pretty smooth? It's just some hiccups and confusion along the way that we can learn from for next time.
2: Uh,
0: Ruben, we'll go with you on that one first.
2: You know, that's a tough one. Because um, I, I think of a different view and I've, I kind of have a different answer. But I think ultimately, I think it would have been better to have more leadership. And more of a say from the state you know there's typically a lot of oversight from the general land office on access and I felt that should have been the case in this situation just because you can't draw lines in the sand I mean like I mentioned city of Galveston took early action but you got Galveston County we shut the beaches down for like a week, a week ago, and then opened them up this past Monday, or I, I don't even know. It's hard to track it all. It all blends together. And then you've got Jamaica Beach in the middle of Galveston Island, which is their own little entity, and they haven't done anything. They haven't put any restrictions whatsoever. Oh. So you, you have these little hodgepodge of patches of sand that are just have different – different guidelines right now, and it, it, it just doesn't work in our situation. This isn't a local situation. It's, it's, a, it's a world situation, and it needs a world of regional response um, to really help keep the uniformity there, and I think, yeah, the lack of consistency has led to a lot of confusion and a lot of frustration, uh, I feel. Uh, right.
1: Yeah, no. I, I think um, I think you you both make really good points in regards to the the need for uh, you know f- uh, strong leadership from above. Um, I think we've all seen at this point that picture of the the Florida beach where the one county had shut down the beach and the other one hadn't, and you've got that aerial photo of a line in the sand where you've got. Everyone partying and then an empty beach, Um, and uh, just just like you can't um, manage the the resources of a coastline in a piecemeal manner, you know I don't think you can respond to uh, to this sort of crisis in a piecemeal manner either. Um, I think Ruben's right when he says it's not a you know COVID nineteen and the response to it is not a a local issue it's it's at this point a global issue um, and that's why you know I'm I'm you know I think that uh, an entity like the general land office who's tasked with overseeing um, our coastline and, and our coastal resources you know I think they have a part to play in providing guidelines in um, providing the information so that uh entities can can make the right decisions um and and i i while i know that it's not always a perfect system i think that uh with greater communication um individual municipalities can operate individually while still being in lockstep with one another it just does require Um, purposeful synchronization and purposeful communication together Um, and I think maybe that's the takeaway uh, not just when it comes to COVID but when it comes to the operations of any municipal um, or local organization that when it's something like this that's going to be impacting the public in mass you've got to increase the purposefulness of your uh of your communication and, and your um your your are working together with with your neighbors because you you do end up with these issues where you know like like Ruben mentioned you've got uh Jamaica Beach um operating one way and and their neighbors net right next door operating another and um it's that sort of mismatch of uh management styles and and responses that leads to public um a lack of public reassurance in in the fact that we've got the system you know the the issue under control or that we're at least addressing it in a in a coherent manner Uh, and i think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why people are becoming um you know, dissatisfied with the current steps being taken and and becoming more anxious in regards to their situation is because, uh, you know, in, in some aspects, uh, the, the government has not done all that it could do to reassure folks that they are, um, addressing this, um, satisfactory. Uh, but, but I think that communication and I think that, um, further uh synchronization as as entities is is really the solution to that
0: awesome reply that's also um you know there's also been an issue as far as just you know uh traditional beach management public access issues from county to city to you know county to county and everything else too but you have that that bridge uh, of the state you know um codes and ordinances that kind of at least give a guideline to how you're Mm -hmm. supposed to operate at the bare minimum. Awesome, awesome responses, that's that's great. Um, so now that we've kind of laid the groundwork, uh, we can kind of move on to like, you know, what we think might happen if this project extend on for a longer period of time, what we've seen actually happen. Um, I know when I first initially uh, talked with the uh, camera who it was uh, saying that they were, oh, I think it's Ruben, was already saying that, you know, we're already seeing of students pop up, you know, more, more vegetation. And we'll get to this in a minute, what kind of, negative impact that could possibly have on our coast or positive. It, it's actually a, a double-edged sword in that one, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but uh, but as far as uh, what got this started, this idea in my head, it was this article that, that Ruben is shared on Facebook on uh, sargasm, um, hitting sargasm season again, boys, good luck. <laughs> I hope i going deal with anymore. Not my uh,
2: circus anymore. All right, good job. Congratulations to both of you on that
0: <laughs> one. Um, But anyway, so we're in what I would call an extended winter season on our beaches Uh, as far as uh, tourism goes. uh, Obviously, the the natural cycle is happening no matter what at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of the natural cycle is sargasm, and that's one of, uh, I would say, the least favorite uh, things, maybe just above trash, that uh, beach managers and planners love dealing with. Um, At one point, and y'all both have done this, y'all both – taken part and come up with policy and implemented that policy in y'all's jobs on how to deal with this, how to take that tight line between, you know, a natural beach where you can have a stack of, you know, sargasm that's four feet tall and 200 yards wide and not have to care about it. And that other extreme that, you know, a lot of tourists, you know, want that postcard beach with the, you know, the finely raked, um, golf course bunker with absolutely no organic material whatsoever in it. Um, and so is this, this kind of plays out and you're not having to do, you have a longer period of time with, I guess what I'm saying, what you typically would be breaking more or, or clearing more, more of this uh, organic material that, you know, the quote unquote rebar for sand, which would, uh, would y'all, would y'all would y'all expect to start seeing a, a visible, at least in the short term anyway, a, a more visible accumulation of sand on the beaches as, re, as a, as a result of this, you know, through, uh, through wind and, and, and tidal movement of the sand. Um, or would it just, you know, do you think it would make a difference at all to the truth? Um, start with Brandon on this uh,
1: Yeah, thanks Rob. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, sargasm was my life, uh, for the, for the, uh, for my time during grad school. And, and it, uh, continued to be, uh, something that I got to deal with, uh, frequently down in South Padre Island. And it's always, uh, it's always a pleasure for me to be able to dive back in and, uh, into sargasm. Um, You did have the beer though. That is correct. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, just, just for any any listeners who might not be familiar with um, what it is that we're we're talking about when we start talking about sargassum, just a, a brief introduction. Um, sargassum is a pelagic seaweed, meaning that it uh, exists in the upper layers of the ocean. It floats around on the top. It actually moves from the Atlantic uh, in an area called the Sargasso Sea, which is roughly. Um, uh, located in the Bermuda Triangle. Um, it moves seasonally south into the Caribbean and then up into the Gulf and back out into the Sargasso Sea. And it's that loop that allows for it to be exposed to nutrients and uh, cause it to grow at a rapid pace. Now the casts off, the, the sections of the Sargasm that don't continue through the loop are what end up growing exponentially and landing on the beaches throughout the Caribbean, Central America, and Gulf Coasts. Um, and it can be the bane of, of existence for folks like uh, uh, Ruben and I and, and even Rob when it comes to accessing the beach because uh, should the sargasm um, grow to a, a size that it inundates the system, it can, it can flat out make it impossible to get to the water Uh, or if you can get there, it's not very enjoyable because you're wading through uh, what feels like a a million tiny seaweed arms trying to grab your legs. Um, So to answer your question, Rob, uh, I do think that at least in the short term, at least during this period of time where we're gonna see a a minimization of, of human impact on our shorelines, Um, I think that we're going to see a much more natural beach cycle. Um, As you mentioned, we're in this extended winter in regards to the human impacts to the beach, but the natural system is going to continue on without us. And so what we would normally see um, moving into this period of time is, is a slope that begins to uh, um, lessen. So you're actually going to see a wider beach. Uh, You're going to see the opportunity for the beach to build up um, dunes to grow. Um, Ruben mentioned earlier on in the conversation that, you know, he had, he had already begun to observe uh, vegetation um, sprouting up. You know, this is the growth period where, Uh, sargasm would naturally serve as um you 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 called it the rebar of the beach rob um you're absolutely right as that material gets worked down into the matrix of the sand it's going to act just like roots uh in your yard um you know it's going to hold that material together it's going to break down and supply the plants that are growing there with nutrients and uh and uh, it, it's, it's a valuable food resource for the birds who come and pick through the, the little sea critters that are hiding in it, the shrimp and crabs and small fish. Um, so I, I think it would be interesting uh, in, the, in the areas that are currently um, going to be impacted in regards to the human uh, presence on the beach, it would be interesting to see if, allowing the sargasm to run its natural course rather than uh, what typically occurs, which is going through with some sort of heavy equipment um, or in, in other places like in the Caribbean uh, using hands and and wheelbarrows. Um, And rather than removing it, just letting it lie, letting it uh, break down and become incorporated into the beach. And then uh, as we saw in 2014, when, when there was the uh, record setting, you know, largest impact of sargassum in in Texas for, for many, many years. Um, A lot of that material does get worked into the beach. A lot of it does help retain sand. And then as it breaks down and and kind of releases its nutrients and and begins to um, degrade, uh, it will reach a point again where the tides will sweep it away um, and remove some of the excess that didn't get worked into the beach. So uh, I think Um, like you know that what we saw in 2014 might be just a little microcosm of what we could see throughout the Caribbean and the uh, the Gulf Coast um, during this period of time and and I would uh, encourage anyone who has the opportunity to allow nature to run its course during this period when um, tourism is less of a factor anyway uh, to do so and to study the impacts Um, I think we have an excellent opportunity right now to utilize what is otherwise a very um, uh, tough time for everyone. Uh, We could utilize this as an opportunity to really get in a a great case study of what does happen when uh, our coastlines are allowed to go through a full cycle naturally without um, excessive human impacts uh, on, on the beach.
2: Thank you, Brandon. Ruben, thoughts on that, man? Uh, you know, I, I, I agree with a lot of what Brandon said. I think, you know, we'll definitely see some immediate uh, improvements. You know, long-term, you know, I, I feel like human impact definitely has an impact. It's, 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 it's a little by little each day. It's, it's constant. Uh, I think we're alleviating that right now, whether that's through people walking through the walkover and then down the beach or driving on the beach uh, because here in Texas, we love that and we're not going to do that up. Um, Or is it, you know, removing seaweed uh, on a daily basis or periodic basis? You know, I I think this would be, you know, there are areas even here in Galveston that don't ever get touched uh, just because of the span of the area. There are areas that are, Privately owned on the on the seawall that are excluded from the park board's permit to do maintenance on there. So we do, and if you can, if you go, if you look at the beach close enough, you can actually tell where those little sections of beaches are, uh, because there's copas dunes where you don't see them in other areas. Because periodically the park board goes out there and relocates the we for their Corps of Engineer permit. It's not. It's not very many. It's not very much. Uh, I can tell you, last year we did it less than ten times for the whole season. Uh, we've adopted, and they've adopted a very uh, green approach to how we handle the beaches. So it's a good program. It's it's in place for if, if it's needed. Really, more for those extreme events. Uh, but really, the park board as a whole has taken the you know, the aspect of let nature run its course um, and try not to disturb it. Um, but I think definitely taking the vehicles off the beach, the pedestrian traffic right now, it, it, you're going to see a different environment because we are especially in that growth uh, season as well. I mentioned earlier where everything's growing right now, everything's sprouting. Uh, what will be interesting to see is this how, depending on how long this continues, and that impact does not. Occur for a while, how tall that vegetation gets and how much that sand does accumulate as the wind blows, is how much of that's going to be protected uh, by the folks who are tasked with doing that.
0: That perfectly brings us to our next part of this talk, conversation. Um, <clears throat> actually, first, I do have one other question regarding what we're just immediately talking about. Uh, do there y'all know of any any initial? studies may be being done right now either by the Corvus of engineers driven or uh by any consulting uh, or or firm uh, brandon um regarding this or is it just kind of just we're just doing our own thing and there, there's about is there an actual formal study going on that you guys would know about right now i think we talked about having I'm, a case study but i don't know if it's actually going on
2: i'm not familiar with anything <clears throat> just because of what's going on here um you know, I think the capability now with drone works with a grad student or PhD student be kind of interesting because you can grab that kind of information relatively easy now, uh, topographic uh, information. Uh, but not not particular this. I, I don't.
1: Um, you know, the the Gulf and Caribbean Fisheries Institute uh, is a very active organization that. Uh, I had the opportunity to work with during my time in grad school and I would be shocked if, if one of their members wasn't um, taking advantage of, of this period to uh, to do a study. I know that they almost always have multiple um, research uh, teams working on studying sargasm and its impacts to tourism and its role in the environment throughout the, the Caribbean and the Gulf coast. And um the Sargassum Early Advisory System, uh, the the lab that, that I helped to um, establish at A and M Galveston, um, that uh, organization continues to, to operate out of A and M Galveston, and um, I'm sure that there will be many uh, many um, professors interested in uh, taking advantage of of um, you know this opportunity to to get in some. Some good research, uh, uh, data collection, and things like that. But um, I haven't, uh, I haven't heard of any one particular study. But uh, if either of those organizations aren't doing something, I, I would be shocked.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, so yes. So now we can move on to you've you know the uh, the sprouting the sprouting dunes. Um, as Rubens pointed out, what we've talked about couple times already it's that time of the year vegetation is growing and without a lot of people to stamp it down um, it's going to continue to grow it's going to continue to accumulate sand into you know what most refer to as a copus dune or you know baby dune Uh, and um, going back to the the lack of directive from the state level as far as how beach closures and how beach communities were handling crowds and how they were gonna either allow or not allow people on the beach during this, this crisis, this, this epidemic or pandemic. Um, the Texas General Land Office has had a lot of uh, hands-on experience with, uh, with coastal development. Um, I think they've done a pretty good job. Um, they've come in occasionally and suspended certain things to let the beach do its thing and give us time to react um but they as part of as part of their 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 codes and ordinances and laws they they go by which do govern um all the coastal community in some way or another um some are more strict have gone more strict than others some are just to the basic minimum that the state requires but uh big a big uh big part of that plan big part of the, the 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 beach management plan for the state is protecting dunes um it's always a Big deal when it comes up, when you when someone wants to build something on the beach. You know, where's that line of vegetation? You know, can I get around that line of vegetation? You know, um, and, you know, th- there's been different results of the state in the past on how they determine it, and there's a couple of different ways you can determine it. But Ruben's brought up twice now, that, you know, it, are these new dunes going to be protected under the current law? Or are we going to see? And this is complete speculation on our part, since they've been mum on everything else so far. But um, are we going to see uh, something similar to what the what the uh, land commissioner can do in the aftermath of a hurricane? Suspend these laws or make make changes temporarily to see how the beach is going to react? Um, allow some things, you know, make exemptions here and there. Um, I'd be curious to see. Uh, y'all, y'all dealt with. Uh, Different aspects of the coast um, and how stuff has been handled. Uh, there's nowhere more confusing than Galveston, the um, West End, and regular stuff, and all this stuff going on up there. It seems to be ground zero for a lot of this stuff. Um, so is Cameron County. Um, so, but this one, I'd like to start with uh, with Ruben, and you know, what would be your gut feeling at this point? How do you think that uh, our Land Commissioner uh, George Bush is gonna is gonna handle the this as we move forward and and we start looking at permits again on the beach.
2: You know, I'm I'm really not sure. I, I just kind of feel it's going to probably return to normal. You know, I, I think, you know, we recently had um King Tides, as you know, Rob, right. Uh that brought water up, and I was drove down the seawall uh, when they were at their highest, and you could see these little copus areas where there hasn't been any beach maintenance on for years. You can see these copus dunes completely surrounded by water. It's going to be interesting to see if, if through that process, through that natural saltwater inundation, is, is a lot of that fledging vegetation just going to die back. Um, you know, so the system's still going to play itself out and balance where that line of vegetation is. But I think there's going to be so much pent-up energy for the beach uh, when they do open up. It, you know, the, the, the beach raking is going to resume by these private vendors that offer the service. The, the beachgoers are going to start walking on the beaches again. People are going to start driving on the beaches again. Um, you know, I think it, it'll. it's going to end up reverting back to where it is now. There will be some benefit, but I, I don't think there's going to be too big of a change. Okay, thank you, Ruben. Uh, Brennan?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, the the optimist in me wants to say that, uh, that, you know, we'll see, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll return to the beach after this is all over, and it'll be a, a Garden of Eden, uh, overgrown and beautiful, and that the sargasm will have collected, you know, a quarter mile of sand out in front of the dunes, and We'll have wide beaches and beautiful vegetated uh, dune fields to, to return to, but um, the realist in me says that uh, I'm just dreaming. But what I what I do hope uh, that we get to see um, is that areas that because you know let let's let's be clear that no one no one part of the beach is is the same. You know, you could look at one property and and see an absolutely picturesque you know textbook example of uh, a dune field coppice mounds aerial beach it's all in the right proportions it's all been you know just allowed to exist as nature intended and then right next door um, you've got a volleyball court you know that that's just that welcome to texas and and property rights and um, you know the joys of of uh, public um, public resources abutting private property. You know it's it's just it's right. one of the one of the most fun things that I, that I love about um, coastal management is that you've as long as uh, there is unlimited possibilities and limited resources the coast will continue to be a tug of war and it's just a it's a it's a incredible um fascinating struggle of of balancing the the public interests um but what i hope that we do see during this time is that the i'm i'm less worried about the areas that already have lush beautiful dunes and are going to accumulate coppice mounds at the toe and, and begin to take over you know take more of the aerial beach I'm less I'm less concerned about that and I'm more interested to see if this respite from human impact from anthropogenic variables on our coastline if that doesn't give some of the more struggling areas an opportunity to catch up you know if if you don't have um people gathering in the thousands to, to hear a concert on a beach, do you see the vegetation on a particular property begin to spring back to life? Um, if you don't have, uh, you know, over, um, manicuring of a, of a beach face, do you see a healthier, um, bird population come back in because the, um, the little critters that, that, Uh, exist in that sand matrix begin to thrive more you know is it something where we can push the the pendulum just a little bit more towards the natural side and is that something that we're able to hold on to um and and that's what i'd really like to see come out of all of this is is a greater appreciation of what it is that we have Um, you know i think that COVID-19 has given us all opportunity to sit and reflect on what is important to us. And uh, one of the things that, you know, is, is the most important to many of us is um, the, the, the things that are, that are the hardest to equate, the things that are the hardest. You know, you can't, you can't go out and order um, a beautiful day on the beach. You know, that's not something I can flip through Netflix and get, but through intentional choices as a community to um, balance our uh, public interests, um, you know, through having an appreciation for what the earth naturally offers us. We get beauty that is unlike anything that you could order off of Netflix or Hulu, um, and I hope that all of us can move more towards an appreciation of that nature. And uh, personally, you know, I'd I'd want that to mean um, taking a more laissez-faire, you know, a hands-off approach when it comes to um, uh, managing and and enjoying our public or our, our our natural resources. Uh, but that's going to have to, you know, it's going to continue to be a point of conversation um, between all the different um, interests that are vying to utilize our, our natural coastlines. So um, do I, you know, I, I'm excited to see uh, what, what happens to our natural resources during this time. I'm even more excited to see whether we take the opportunity to be better stewards of it uh, when we are finally able to venture out of our homes and, and return to a uh, semi-normal kind of life.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I mean, obviously uh, the news is, is still currently right now, especially Google images with uh, you know the lone fox in the park and as it's going through the snow and, and a lot more stuff. and. And I think I think overall during a short time anyway, y'all are correct. I, I think we're going to see uh, a bigger increase or at least a noticeable increase in uh, the biodiversity of the beach. We're going to see birds come back. We're seeing nests. Uh, possibility we might even see more, depending on how long this goes. See uh, more nesting sea turtles this year because um, of there's not the crowds to, to push them back out in the water, um, and I. I I, I think uh, I, I think we're all on the same page on, on this one. I mean, to, to 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 take this opportunity and 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 kind of uh, bump it a little bit more towards the natural side, I, I think that's going to initially be the case. Um, and I love uh, I love Brandon's vision of that, and I'm also of uh, the frame of mind of, of, of Ruben and and the realist, and, and know that you know just like I mean, when Ruben said it, it's, it snapped in my mind again. The first two weeks of March was overcast. I mean, it was like typical, just crappy, like, you know, what they call California June gloom weather. I mean, it was just overcast every day. I swear to God, 12 hours after we shut down the beaches, it was sunshiny for the rest of the time after that. And um, and it's just so one of those things, you know, once everything's lifted, sun comes out, um, people are going to be out there again en mass, man, because they've been locked up for a long time. And, um, and so, you know, there is that possibility um, – that we initially, just like right now, we're temporarily moving in the right direction. We initially, the, the initial shock of all that coming back could uh, could have a very big adverse respect, uh, impact on the beach as well. And we see whatever was gained during these uh, last few months just disappear over a matter of days. Um, so uh, that's, that's what I wanted this discussion to be about. Um, and I'm sure like usual with beach and everything we've experienced, We'll end up somewhere in the middle between those two those two visions of the beach. Um, one final question for both of y'all. And I think uh, both of y'all have uh, touched on this to a certain extent. Um, what would y'all, like, from if, – if y'all were still both um, unretired coastal managers, um, what would y'all like to see come out of this um, as far as the future and maybe the, the how we – how we can plan now to prepare for the next time, even better and not have the discombined related confusion we did, uh, during this, this round. Um, Brandon, it's all yours.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, although I might not, um, although I might not still be, you know, uh, directly with a, a local municipality doing coastal management, I, 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 now have the chance to work with a myriad of of entities that are taking on uh, various types of coastal projects and helping to ensure that those are done in an environmentally um, uh, intelligent uh, manner and uh, I've always been a sucker for the term resiliency and um, coastal resiliency has been a hot topic uh for for the last several years um and it's it's more than the idea of being able to take a hit resiliency is defined as being able to take a hit and then spring back better than you were at the time that you were impacted and uh to me i think that's what i want to see i think that um coastal communities, especially, uh, the organizations that function off of hotel occupancy tax, um, those, uh, entities have all taken a hit. They have all, uh, been impacted strongly by, um, this, the, not only COVID-19 itself, but also the necessary precautions that have had to been taken due to COVID-19. And, uh, And I I don't think this is, you know, like like any natural disaster. It may fade from the television a lot sooner than it fades from the real life of the people who are going through it. So no doubt about that. I don't, you know, I don't know how long it's going to last. But when it when it does end and the TV goes back to normal, the lives of the people who have been impacted by this are still not going to be back to normal at that point. And I think we all need to remember that. And I think that as a community, we need to not only be there for each other and be there to care for our natural resources, but we need to realize that this could happen again and we need to build back better. We need to do a better job from here on out, when it comes to managing our, our resources, when it comes to uh, taking our neighbors into account, when it comes to being able to care for not just ourselves, but those who we depend on every day and don't necessarily think about it off the top of our heads, we, we've got to do better next time uh, because there will be a next time, whether it's a virus or a hurricane or a tornado or whatever there will be something else that comes and impacts our coasts and impacts our states and impacts our nation and impacts our world. And I just hope that we can all take some of the lessons that have been learned through resiliency and, and, and proper resource management and apply those across the board uh, because that's the only way that we're not only, that we're gonna get through this and that we're going to get through what comes next.
0: Awesome. Ruben, got some thoughts on this, man?
2: Yeah, I mean, similar. I mean, Brandon put it great. You know, it, it it's about being prepared. You know, what are we going to do to make sure with, when and if this happens again, if we bounce back quicker and that we're able to uh, recover? And again, like Brandon says, the hot tax. I just left an organization that is 100% funded by hot tax. They put their budgets by 35%. And, and luckily, the full-time employees are still getting a check. But the, the seasonal employees that are usually working the beaches now, the vendors who are selling snow cones, the umbrella guys, these are our local community members. And right. they're not, they're, they don't have work right now. You know, so yeah, definitely a plan. What, do, what, When it happens again, what are we going to do to make sure we're able to recover as quickly as possible? And then I'll just kind of, past that on a personal level is, is find your silver lining in this and, and don't waste well, don't waste the time we've got right now because really I think, for me, um, I've, 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 I guess, learned or relearned that it's okay to slow down over the last few weeks. I've been going so fast for so long, um, I've never really had an opportunity to slow down for an extended period of time like this. Um, so I think when we do get back to normal and everybody is kind of back to the hustle and bustle, don't don't forget what it is, what it means to slow down and, and how beneficial that can be for us.
0: I think you got a beach song there, Reuben. <laughs> <laughs> have to get in hold of Jimmy Buffett and see if he will record it for us. <laughs> um, awesome guys, thank you guys so much for the day and your time. Um, once again, uh, it's been my pleasure to host Ruben Trevino and Brandon Hill and talk basically about our you know our beaches and what's going on right now and and, uh you know what's going on while we're not out there checking it out every day um it's been a great discussion guys i appreciate your time and your expertise and which all y'all's experience brings to the table and because that this has been a successful show so thank you boys very much and I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday. And uh, hopefully, we all get to hang out on the beach soon again together and not uh, through pictures. Oh, yeah.
2: Thanks, thanks Rob, you guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Brandon. Good talking with you.
1: Absolutely, gentlemen. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here.
2: All right. Thanks,
0: guys. Y'all have a good one.